what are the attacks that you are coming under? And everybody has in any bucket, physical or non-physical, a whole list of stuff that they're like, well, my family member does this, to me. they say this, and I'm, I'm always gonna be faced with this, or my manager said this to me, and she's also Asian, and I can't believe she said this to me. Um, people always have something, and so it's really helping them understand there's an intersection between identity, between self-advocacy, but also like self-defense and feeling like you're worth defending. everyone, welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tomanaha. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Leslie Liu. She is the founder of Reclaiming Your Courage, keynote speaker and trauma-informed self-defense coach. She became the self-defense mama when she made the decision to become the mother she always needed by breaking the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Leslie is a second-generation Korean and Chinese-American mother of two and wife. She is a San Francisco native and has been a martial artist for 20 years with a black belt in Taekwondo, Hapkido, and Kenpo Karate. Today, she is passionate about Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. Her mission is to save the lives of AAPI women and allies to the BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, neurodivergent and differently abled communities. She does this by teaching her clients how to become stronger self-advocates through mind, voice, and body. She empowers women to stand in their power by rewriting their instincts and rooting themselves in love and courage. Love that. Hi, Leslie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm happy to be here, Robin. I feel like at this juncture in the universe, like we were meant to record this at this point in time. So thank you for having me. Exactly. At this time for the listeners, we're uh, recording this mid-May. So it's mid-May now. So thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm super excited to have you. I have a lot of questions. Um, but first, uh, for the listeners, could you share a little bit, I'm a little more curious about like your personal journey, if you don't mind? Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in San Francisco. And um, the heart of my story starts when I was 11 years old. And my Korean mother wanted me to be more in tune with the Korean culture. So she sent me on a plane to Korea one summer. And little did she know that I was going to become sexually assaulted by a family friend um, and who consciously knew that I didn't speak the language. And so that's how I lost my voice and not realizing that the rest of my life that was going to impact me in so many different ways, mentally and emotionally. It really started to come up in terms of my inner critic of saying I wasn't good enough, of not speaking up in the workplace. When I would experience microaggressions, it, it really hindered my ability to foster loving relationships with other women in terms of friendships, to let love in for myself romantically. Um, it just, it just really 
blended into so many areas of my life. And it's not until I became a mother and why I say like making a conscious choice to break these patterns, to recognize them and, and break them. Like I had to learn to become my best self-advocate. And so uh, creating Reclaiming Your Courage came to me because at the height of Stop Asian Hate, actually, I had always been teaching martial arts classes and self-defense classes for women. And so something dawned on me really quickly is that if you've ever taken a self-defense class, people tend to think you kick a pad, you poke someone in the eyes, like, you know, you make loud sounds. But what I started to understand was there was always women in the class who just were really stuck and mentally constipated. And I'm definitely not that type of person who's going to yell at you and tell you to do something. It was really holding space for that person and saying what's really happening right now that opened up this whole other world for me uh, as a self-defense coach. It helped me understand that a self-defense mindset is important, that you're worth defending. And when I talk about rewriting your instincts, uh, a lot of times when things happen to you in a traumatic way, you become an unreliable narrator. So your instincts aren't reliable. So someone has to help you rewrite those messages that you sent to yourself. And secondly, there was this piece that came up about verbal self-defense. Like people would actually tell me, I don't have the words. I wouldn't know what to do if someone were to start verbally abusing me. So that is the beauty of reclaiming your courage and why I feel so passionately about this piece in self-defense that isn't brought up a lot of times, which is like, using your self-defense mindset on the streets and into the workplace. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, and when I when I heard about you and I, I read everything, I thought exactly what you said, which is I have known of self-defense courses. And I think I, I've, you know, also seen like advertisements for them, like even in the past. And it was very much like you said, like physical, you just do these movements. But I always thought about how like, there's a reason why people go, you know, and it's so much more deeper than that. Like their experiences, why did something happen to them? Like trauma, all that. And, uh, you know, me as a, um, especially now as like a clinician, I know how that all works, you know? And it's like, how do you like, just do those? It seemed like more robotic to me, you know, and doing all those things, but there's, there's so much more to it and why someone's there. And so when I heard about you, I thought this is amazing because it's like combining the self-defense, but also with mental health. And I feel like that was like a link that like I had never seen before until I came across, um, across your website. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And, and that's exactly what it is, is there is, there are physical attacks, right? There are fundamental fears that we have every day when we, we leave our homes, right? It's like, what to do if someone grabs you by the wrist? What do you do if someone like pulls you, tries to abduct you into a car? Those things and the physical stuff are always gonna be foundational and always gonna be fundamental. Don't get me wrong, that's important. But once I started asking the question around non-physical attacks and specifically like, how do you identify and how do you think your identity intersects with the way a, 
potential attacker perceives you, the floodgates opened up for a lot of people. And I would hear time and time again about self-gaslighting, gaslighting from others. Like all of this narrative that happens blocks that connection from our mind, our voice, and our body. So if we're talking about things like bystander intervention or stepping in to do the right thing for someone else, I am a big advocate of like, you can't do that if you can't advocate for yourself. If you don't understand that you are the source of your power and you stand in your power, how are you going to help someone else? Yeah, yeah. And so what is that? Could you walk me through kind of what that process looks like? If it's like a safe space or how does that, like, how does that happen? Like for the person? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it really is, um, in my experience, really meeting someone where they are. Right. And so we can go through the fundamental, fundamental basics. Like I can show you some techniques and a lot of times what my strength has been is reading the body and reading what is going on for someone and also paying attention. I spend a lot of time asking questions. So to answer your question is like, yes, showing the actual technique and assessing. And, and a lot of times when something's not working for someone, instead of just keep trying to push the technique on them, I like to step back. I like to step back and say, hey, let's take a beat. Tell me the story of how you got here today. Why is this important for you to learn? Yeah. Right. And that's a very important question. And a lot of times it's like, well, this X, Y, Z happened. Like someone told me, like I was um, picking up food from the Grubhub delivery driver during the daytime in my apartment building and I got attacked and I screamed and nobody came to, to help me. And so it's it's really co-creating a space with someone. It's it's asking them about their identity. It's about it's asking them for consent, like really talking about how do we want to work together? Do I have your permission to ask you questions? Um, you know, and, and, and also just like consent around physical touch. Is it okay if I correct you and make little micro adjustments along the way? But for me, like it's important to ask someone those questions rather than triggering them in the moment and to just be conscientious that those things are going on for someone that you cannot just push them to do some hardcore like moves. Yeah. So it's really holding space for someone and letting them be part of that co-creation of like, what is, what does safety mean for them in a, in a self-defense self space? And I, I just was never given those spaces. Because I, I, when I was learning certain things in self-defense, I would be triggered a lot of times. And I'm like, I just, I, I want to give what I ultimately, as a survivor, wish like someone's compassion would have looked like. Yeah. I love how it's, um, like you mentioned co-creation and consent. And also, I, it sounds also like very trauma-informed you know, like being cognizant, like you say, asking the questions and even talking about, you know, like what brought you here and all that. I feel like that's so empowering. And I feel like 
also modeling and kind of helping them get through that process. Like they've maybe have never experienced that before. So even through like asking those questions, you know, asking consent, doing the co-creation, you know, first, like, I feel like that is huge from a trauma perspective. Definitely. And I will tell you, Robin, that a lot of my work, like one of the things I offer is a one-on-one intensive with someone for 90 minutes. And it's really meeting people where they're at, because when I explain this philosophy and what we're really trying to achieve here of being a stronger self-advocate, some people legitimately don't feel physically unsafe. So if someone comes to me and they're like, no, but, but here's what's going on in the workplace, right? Like I, that is the bulk of my work. Like someone might come into a situation with me and say like, oh, like, I think I'm okay physically, but like, I feel like I've lost my voice in speaking back to my manager or this or that. So that's what I mean by like co-creating with someone like that they, I'm not going to push my agenda of teaching you technique. If you legitimately feel like you need more help standing in your power against situations in which people are constantly giving you unwarranted comments, giving you microaggressions, uh, and you feel like you don't have the framework to speak up, I, I can meet you there and give you that support of like, let's really workshop through this. What are the attacks that you are coming under? And everybody has in any bucket, physical or non-physical, a whole list of stuff that they're like, well, my family member does this. To me. They say this, and I'm, I'm always going to be faced with this, or my manager said this to me, and she's also Asian, and I can't believe she said this to me. Um, people always have something, and so it's really helping them understand there's an intersection between identity, between self-advocacy, but also like self-defense and feeling like you're worth defending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you said too about like the not having a voice. Like I feel like when Stop Asian Hate came out and like, I mean, even though these things have been happening forever, um, that not having a voice is like huge. Like even for me, like that's something that I always resonated with. It was just not, you know, like you said, like, could I speak up? Do I feel like I have the right to like all those things? Like sometimes we, we don't, um, you know, in different situations. So, yeah. Yeah. And so like, what would you like, you know, um, what's a, what's a situation that makes you kind of, that you think of that comes top of mind when you say like, oh, well, I don't know if I would like be able to speak up or not. It's happened in so many, like the workplace is one. Um, I, as like a high achiever and perfectionist, I've been a super hard worker. And as an Asian woman, sometimes I felt that like, um, I was given more to do, you know, knowing that like, well, she'll do it. Right. And so there were times looking back and because I'm so high achieving, I went along with it too. But then part of me was also like, why am I working harder, you know, um, for the same pay or just like being given things, you know, or just in general, like not speaking up. If I heard like, um, this happened recently, actually, when I took my mother out for mother's day, we celebrated early. It was actually something I experienced from the host at a restaurant. It was a microaggression and how they were joking around with the pronunciation of my last name to me and mispronouncing it on purpose. 
So they, it just, it's something that's happened to me like so often. And I think sometimes I just, I'm like moving on, you know, like kind of moving on with my day. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Let me ask you this now, knowing what you know now, and now that you're sharing that story, what would you have really liked to have said to that person in that moment? Um, I'll do the edited version now. Uh, many things, <laughs> but that that's not funny. You know, do you know like the impact of what you're saying? How come you think that's funny? You know, and, and it was not just one person. It was actually three hosts and they were all laughing too. It was very, so that was like a whole nother level of intimidation. We got three like non-Asian men um, too, like laughing along. And my mom who has her own ignorance and she thought it was, you know, funny too. And I'm just sitting there like, oh gosh, this is not. Yeah, I think it's really powerful what you just said. And so um, holding space for that of what we just did, your vocalizing statement is it's not funny. And something that I teach my clients is tactical silence. It's not funny. And holding that silence is a form of self-defense. So not, not, I, I really help my clients not overly explain and like go off on, I'm like, you're, you're overthinking, you're talking too much. So someone has to really help you workshop and hone in on your verbal self-defense. And it really is about being concise and clear on what the boundary is. So in that situation, you just gave me the words. It's not funny. Don't do it again. Mm -hmm. And yeah. just hold that is what is what what I'm trying to really say is that's standing in your power. You're acknowledging, you're letting your attacker know it's not it's a boundary you don't want crossed and you are you are actually guiding them without being rowdy and without being aggressive. You are being your best self advocate in saying it's not funny. Don't do it again. Yeah. And just hold that and see what would have happened after that yeah i like that and i know the listeners can't see it but like i also like the like your expression too like the seriousness and too i feel like that's also like a way to make an impact non-verbally too yeah 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 see so that's why i'm saying like we it's it's incredibly powerful you already had the answer all i did was take the words you were using and it's like now someone has to help you Really, I mean, if I had another hour with you in our in our intensive session, it would really be about like, okay, now now say that, and really, what does standing in your power look like? Like, you can say it, but is your body language matching that? Okay, and now let's tie that with the technique. Say it with your with your with your long guard up, right? Um, so I think it's really really fascinating to see people turn around like you like your your face is lit up because you're like yes yeah that would have been fantastic mm -hmm. so it's about coaching people through that because there's so many scenarios where uh, it's fine like uh, like even your mom was like let's just you know let's just let's just minimize it and i can think about so many times in my life where people have made inappropriate racial jokes and 
that was maybe fine when we were kids, but now this is a time of like, that's not funny. I don't find that funny. And I do, I have to do that all the time till this very day. So, um, yeah, I get jazz talking about verbal self-defense because it, it, it is a thing. It is, I will say it's probably 65% of your self-defense mindset. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm very empowered. I feel like that's something I can definitely take with me moving forward. And unfortunately, I feel like it's probably going to happen again, you know, something like that. And that's, that's, that's what it is, is that we know that it's coming. We're, I think most Asian Americans today are very well aware of what the microaggressions are, what the hate that they might face is. And now you're equipped. I, all we did was use language that you used that was authentic to you. And we just tweaked it slightly. And I just added something for you to really give it a hard. And so just practicing that one statement is going to be like your version of mace and pepper spray and is going to be your self-defense before you actually have to partake in self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. So many things. There's so many, I feel like you're like a wealth of tips too <laughs> when it comes to this. This is so uh, tell me um, so about like reclaiming your courage. So there's, you said there's like the one-on-one like, mm-hmm. what are the different, I guess, like options for people if they want to like use reclaiming your courage or like, what are the. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways. And I try to keep it really simple. Um, a couple of ways to engage with my work is I think the first step for anyone is taking the self-defense readiness quiz. It's on my website. And this is people's first starting point of what are we really talking about here? (laughs) And it's just to kind of give you a baseline of like, oh, well, I actually am more like fearful of these physical things or like, no, my physical, the non-physical supersedes like the, the, the physical, the -hmm. non-physical over the physical. So that's where I kind of help people in their journey is starting them off there and then um, leading them to a one-on-one intensive with me that I offer. And, and that is a 90 minute intensive kind of workshopping what you and I just did together. That's really coming into the circumstance and being like, Leslie, this is something that I'm constantly faced with and hitting roadblocks with. I don't know how to physically get through it. I don't know how to navigate it in words or anything. And so I will say that that's not, those are not my only offerings, but I will say that that is for anyone who's like, sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's where you start off. And I I also offer a complimentary 30 minute clarity call where someone's like, I don't even know what, where to start. I don't even know what, what and how is I'm like, okay, well, let's just, let's just start with a clarity call. How about that? Then we can figure out if like group coaching is what is needed or, you know, some one-on-one virtual sessions, but I will say that what you and I did is close to what an inten- a one-on-one intensive is. Just come in with it with circumstances that make you feel most vulnerable and how you want to stand into your power. And let's, let's workshop it. Let's 
let's be more efficient with protecting our energy so that we have energy to use for the things that matter to us. Like I would much rather show you how to shut down a threat a lot quicker so that you can save that energy for people you love and your community and the work that lights you up, not these things that like really, really are not the best use of, of your, of your peace and your energy. Yeah, it definitely did impact me for a little bit afterwards, even sitting down at the restaurant and kind of like that stain, you know, so, but um, I like how it sounds like it's very unique and customized, right, for the, like you said, with the one-on-one to really dive right in there with the person and like their experience. So I think that's, um, I think that's amazing. Yeah. And everyone take the quiz. I actually checked that out too. And that was, I felt like that was actually really, really helpful. Oh yeah. What what were some things that were like coming to you as you were doing it? Like, what was your thought process? I just remember thinking, "Uh Oh, Oh no. Like, and so of course I'm like, yeah, definitely would benefit from this, um, going through the questions. Um, but I thought they were really good too. And things like I, I didn't always think about, especially from like the self-defense mindset because because like I said before like me and I think I'm kid of the 80s you know and so we go back in the day and it was just so much more physical and not all this other like verbal emotional like past like which as an API like that's like a crucial piece you know and two I always when I think too of um what I've known before about self-defense it was like I, I was kind of wonder, you know, what the um, the instructor, you know, instructor's experience was. And like, I would wonder and I would really think that like your past experience and how like that has shaped you now for this, like, I don't know. And to, I don't know, you know, what everybody puts out, but like of anyone openly, you know, saying like, I have a past experience with, with something. And when it comes to self-defense and then creating like a space for others, you know, to heal and work through this and be empowered. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are a lot out. I mean, there are spaces that do, you know, like I can't speak to everyone else's. I just know that I didn't find those spaces and I didn't have that. Um, and so I felt like there was a need in being an AAPI woman. Like I have been attacked on the streets. Um, I have been a victim in so many ways. And so I do think that, um, it's important for people to have a space to be able to tell these stories. And in some self-defense spaces, there are legitimately people that haven't been through trauma. And I'm not just like, there are people who legitimately thrive and can do techniques because their experience is different. And that's, that's wonderful because I'm a big fan and advocate for that. But there are people also who go through trauma. There are people who learn in neurodivergent ways. So I also understand that I don't want someone to ever feel like just because we have to teach them in a different way, it doesn't impact the, the end result. We will get there. We just have to go a different way. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a physical like limitation or a neurodivergent one, like, I think it's important to explore that as well of like, that's, 
part of holistically who a person is. Um, and so, yeah, I was really, I was really just craving that. And so when we talk about taking up space and speaking up, I was like, but no one really taught me how to like take up space. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so taking, uh, empowering women to take active participation in a self-defense workshop, I think is incredibly important. And sometimes what is needed is this mindset piece and learning how to speak up um, before the physical stuff. So it might be a few sessions before um, we even get to that. And I will say that um, I love martial arts and I love self-defense classes and I love hitting pads, but this element we're talking about today was something that I felt like if you really want long-term sustainable strength and advocacy for yourself, this is what's needed because those other like one hour workshops and stuff like that, what happens is you feel fantastic. Of course you like hit something, like you feel great in a way that you didn't before you entered that situation but that mindset piece is always going to, and that fear of retaliation is going to be there, right? Like, what if I would have said that to that person in that restaurant? Like, what, what, was, what was the fear there really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything I didn't ask about that you'd want the listeners to know? Uh, no, I just invite anyone who, you know, if any of this resonates with you, like I'm happy to just get uh, on a clarity call and really just see if this is your vibe and this is work that you want to do. Maybe you have been looking for something trauma informed and, uh, and, and for others, like if it's not your cup of tea, it's all good. Like I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me, but if you are someone who has struggled in the pandemic, in the workplace, on the streets, in your physical safety, I really do want to connect with you and, and be able to um, fight alongside with you. Yeah. Where could the listeners go if they wanted to connect um, or find out more about you? Is there like social media or like website? Yeah, my website is reclaimingyourcourage.com. So right there, you can uh, join my wonderful community. Uh, every month I have an AAPI Women's Healing Circle. And then that's where you can find the self-defense readiness quiz. So yeah, reclaimingyourcourage.com. I am on Instagram predominantly. So uh, at reclaimingyourcourage, it'll be easy to find me. I got a whole lot of dumb reels on there and other stuff and get really, really funky because I'm not great at reels, but like engage with me that way. Like reach out to me, let me know um, what you felt after listening to this, this episode. And I... I wholeheartedly want to understand your story uh, and maybe you have gone through something recently similar to what Robin was speaking about. Yeah, definitely check out our Instagram. I love the actually the reels and the videos that you do put. They're very like authentic, I feel like, to sometimes like also what I'm thinking and I get in by seeing it too. I feel very seen. So I do. I love the, the content that you put on, on Instagram. 
such a better <laughs> Thank you. I find like the ones I don't even think about. <laughs> I just, I just, I just feel like, well, what, a, what, it's almost like a comedian taking on like their day-to-day life. I'm like, well, what am I feeling right now? So I'm, that's just what I'm going to do. And when you raise your frequency, your allies will find you. So that's exactly what I did. I, I played some rock music when Christina Yuna Lee passed and I smashed a box with a bat and it felt great. And that's when I met a lot of women who were like, I want to give myself permission to go there. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put your website and then um, your Instagram handle in the show notes so that everyone can easily click on it. And everyone definitely make sure to take the quiz too. I love that. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for, for being here. Um, this was super helpful and informative. And I definitely feel empowered too, leaving this and moving forward. So thank you. Thanks so much, Robin. Take care. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Open Mind Night Pod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.